Hey, you're listening to the Creative Pep Talk podcast. Creative Pep Talk helps you build a thriving creative career. I'm your host, Andy J. Pizza. You can stay up to date with Creative Pep Talk and my creative work by following me on Instagram at Andy J. Pizza. Let's jump into today's episode. This episode is supported by In The Making, an original podcast brought to you by Adobe Express, the all-in-one content creation app included in your Creative Cloud membership. If you are trying to boost the YouTube, TikTok, Reels content side of what you're doing, one episode of In The Making that I think will be super useful to you is their episode with John Ushai. I think John's method for including his audience in the process is really inspiring. And if you want to hear about that and more about leveling up your game in the creator economy, just search In The Making in your podcast player to listen. Many thanks to In The Making and Adobe Express for their support. really needed to rehaul my website. I was talking to some web people, looking around, and I got intrigued by Squarespace's new Fluid Engine, partially because it just sounds cool, but also because it allows you to drag and resize and layer up anything you can imagine. I dove in, rebuilt my site. It's the most me site that I've ever had. I just absolutely love it. Launched it, got such a great response. Some industry illustration and designy peers even reached out and was like, hey, who coded this thing, man? I'm like, y'all, I did it by myself. No coding with Squarespace's new Fluid Engine. I told him like, you should go check it out. You're gonna be surprised with what you can do. And I built this thing before Squarespace reached out to sponsor the show. So I was like, boom, easy peasy. I was gonna tell you about this new site. Anyway, go check it out, anyjpizza.com if you wanna see what I did with it. If you want to try it yourself, make a site that's totally you where you can build a portfolio, sell content and courses and all kinds of other stuff, head to squarespace.com for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain with promo code PEPTALK, all one word, all uppercase. Yo, just a little heads up. First of all, uh, okay, so uh, this interview is one of my favorite interviews that I've ever done on the show. Uh, Definitely, probably the deepest interview that I've done. We go really personal, uh, really deep, and uh, I just wanted to give you a few heads up. So first thing is, both Raji and I have ADHD, and... uh, I just want to give you a full disclosure. Often when I'm hanging out with other people with ADHD, there's kind of like this supercharge that happens. There's a lot of like just energy back and forth trying to get all this stuff out from both of us. I apologize for some of that and uh, I hope that um, it's not too distracting. I don't think it is. I think generally that the the conversation is uh, one of the best that we've had on the show. So I think you'll be able to Um, Just give me a little grace. I'm trying my absolute hardest on that, Um, but we just got too excited. So, um, so mostly I think it's good, but I thought I'd mention that. Also, 
Um, look out, there is some language for you guys who are listening with kids or, or whatever. Um, and then also, one last thing, I should probably tell you who Raji is. <laughs> uh, Raji is a designer, illustrator, and developer. Uh, this combination of skills and uh, gifts, I think, make him a really, really interesting creative. Um, and I think that all kinds of different creative people will have a lot to take away from his journey and uh, just his kind of vast experience. Um, I think he's his ability to combine illustration design and web development into um, one thing means that he is set apart in the industry in a really unique way. You can go see his work at rog.ie. Um, that's his uh, web address, and you can see all of his cool stuff. And then also, he's half of Super Team Deluxe with Justin Mazel, and they make all these enamel pens and patches and super, super nice stuff. So go check that out at superteamdeluxe.com. All right, now let's get to this ridiculous uh, conversation. I wanted to ask you about meds, uh, and I know, man, I am. I feel like this is a sensitive chat, but it's one that I feel like people could get some benefit from. I personally am not on meds, but it's a, and I have been for a short period of time at at one point, and that was kind of a weird roller coaster. Um, I have this really bizarre thing, and my and my question is like. I'm worried about having medication because of the way that it could possibly affect my creativity, which is how I pay the bills. And I wonder what your kind of experience has been with that. Well, I've got not very large. I know some people, I think it's a, first of all, a good question. I have no shame in, in telling anything and everything uh, as great. with typically everything. So oh, yeah. I may overshare on, you know, bathroom time or things like yeah. that too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> My wife was saying yesterday, she's like, <laughs> like you got to stop working from home, man. <laughs> like, <laughs> like you don't know how to be a regular person. Yeah, she's I'm like, like that. I'm too. Like, well, what are you what are you talking about? And she's like, the house cleaners were over yesterday. They said you just barreled out of there. You're singing at the top of your lungs. You barrel <laughs> up. You leave the the bathroom door open, and you're just taking a whiz. Yeah. And there's these two ladies working oh around. Oh my gosh. I'm just like, well, you know, bless them for that. That is my life as well. And I, <laughs> but yeah, you know, I think uh, I think especially for creative people with any. Uh, type of disorder or issue or whatever I think everybody this is a question I get all the time because I'm pretty open about uh, ADHD um, mm -hmm. and I've been pretty open about and actually it's something I'm really sensitive about the fact that I've told people I'm not on medication because I'm afraid it's going to affect my ideas for the podcast and my illustration and all that stuff and I pay the bills with that stuff and I don't want to tinker with the formula and yet that sounds like I'm telling people not to take meds and that's not what I'm saying I'm just saying I have I'm currently not that's where I'm at um, well, I don't know how do you feel about that or what's your experience Oh, okay, so my experience was like, uh, you know, go back two years. Uh, I had sort of like never really got diagnosed, never really knew it all all along. Yes. Knew it all along. Right. My parents were very, uh, uh, they were very Christian, and yeah. with that, this specific <laughs> I think I'm gonna of, have the same thing. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, but yeah, go. <laughs> no, they, with this, I'm, I'm learning very much that like. I can say Christian, and that means a lot of different things. Yeah. Uh, 
they were a very specific breed of American Christianity where uh, it was like, uh, you trust the Lord to take cure your ailments. And if mm. you're given one, it's your thorn in the flesh. Uh, and in non-Christianese, that's just basically like, it's just shit you're supposed to live with. Um, <laughs> and you're not supposed to try to get outside of that because, you know, that's what you were given. It's a lot of really weird, like, uh, no need to go into that. Really, yeah. what what basically they never pursued any meds they never really thought it was a good idea uh you know and they and they're very sort of like binary thinkers like they think of the world as black and white and and that's also informed by their faith and so what would happen is they would say like well meds you know that you'll turn into a zombie you know you'll lose your spirit and you'll never you'll cry all day long or whatever like they they see the most fearful side of it but i went through a transition where i'd gone through so much that uh, I really wanted to look into this and I really wanted to, I was going through a lot of other stress in life. And so I was just said like, screw it. I'm gonna, I'm gonna look into this. I'm going to get off the, the rails my parents gave to me and I'm yeah. going to look into this. So the first thing I did was like, well, I don't wanna try like, I went to a family medicine doctor and I said, I don't wanna try like, like the full deal, like Ritalin, because I'll probably yeah. just end up like, who knows, you know, just frothing on the and streets and <laughs> yeah, all of your <laughs> most fearful things. Yeah. Um, and so this family doctor was like, well, I want, he's like, I'm looking at your, your abilities. It seems like you have lots of good throughput and it seems like you've been able to adapt pretty well. So I'm not going to, I'm not going to do the full big shebang. I'm going to do this uh, anti-anxiety, anti-depression med. Yeah. And for anybody that knows anything about uh, ADHD, at times you can take these things and, and it's almost like they're the exact opposite. Yeah, like they're, right. they're, your brain works in such a way that like it flips around the other way. Totally. Yes. And so I had a three month period where I was on these meds and I would just break down and sob. Yeah. And I was so depressed. Oh I have gosh. never been depressed. And I was so depressed. And I was, I, I, I and I remember calling my wife and just like losing it. And she yeah. was like, since I'm sort of like a scattered and and like nonlinear thinker, uh, I of course never thought it was the meds. Yeah, and right. I'm like, it's anti-anxiety and depression. Why would I have anxiety and depression? Because I take it. <laughs> yes. And so don't do that, man. Don't do that. So that was my first experience. My wife was like, get the hell off those. You you're like, it's it's changed you into a completely different person. And yeah. this doctor was like, it's supposed to be mild. Yeah. Got off those. Uh, the color started coming back into life. Things started getting better. Um, so I would say your mindset towards meds being a bit skeptical is definitely always good. Yeah. Always you know, be a bit skeptical and, and ask questions. Cautious. Yeah, for sure, because, man, that was a rough go. And then I was kind of scared away from it for a while until my son, who's now 10, he was nine. This was last yeah. year. He he's like more ADHD than I was, yeah. and he was just like like bouncing all over the walls, but then you know like zoning out, staring at a ceiling for half an hour. Like it was yeah. just, and it was driving everyone mad. And and it was our patience was getting tested, mm -hmm. uh, and 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 we started thinking like, okay, let's not think about us. We can handle this. But what about his parents? But what about him? Is it affecting? Is it affecting his his friendships? You know, our kids rejecting because, like, as an adult, I can hang, I can yeah. handle, it, and I can, I can say, I can defend myself and go, you know, fuck you. Like, I'll go on and find some other friends that are okay with me like this. Yeah. But 
for him, it's like this shapes who he is. This yeah. shapes the way that kids treat him and if they tease him and all that. And I already know it hurts me when people tease me for this stuff. So we ended up looking into it. And I said, well, that my son ain't doing anything that I'm not willing to jump in with yeah, him. That makes sense. Yeah. So that's when it started. And we both kind of did. He ended, He's on uh, Ritalin and I'm on Adderall. Yeah. Uh, and Adderall, I'm on. I'm I'm very cautiously on the very lowest dose yeah. that I can think of, and um, it's 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 good. It's helpful. Yeah. It's yeah. it's, but it's such a low dose that it is. I'm not that much different. I might ramp up a little bit, but I'm I'm cautiously at like five milligrams, which is like super low. Yeah. Um, and my son's at ten. Yeah. Um, and and the truth be told, it is night and day with with jameson with my son it, yeah. it is it is completely better for him yeah. uh he uh, i've not seen the horror stories of like you know him like massive emotional swings he's had very small ones but dude it's like it's made it's made night and day difference mm. for him and those around him and like i couldn't speak more highly of it we're cautious about going much higher with his dose too that's yeah. it that's the story how did, did do you feel like it's changed things for you is it can you is it pretty noticeable for your experience i'd say it, it, it like it like in the same way that like alcohol would like take the edge off of you know yeah. maybe a hard day it takes the edge off it yeah. it seems to get me more where i want to go I, I seem to be able to have a and maybe i ramp up the dose and it's a little better yeah um but i'm also just like a little bit cautious about like even doing that i would say yeah it helps oh my gosh dude like we we notice with jameson when we skip yeah. uh it's just like tony and my wife and i will look at each other and be like holy <laughs> shit like this is this is like worse than ever yeah it's, uh, it's extreme. question for you though dude, yeah I'm, I'm really fascinated by the overlap with the more adhd people i meet the more i'm like I find there's like these odd similarities and I don't know if people are actually asking these questions, yeah. but like, do you like to do X or do you like to do X? Do you, for some reason <laughs> I find like tweeting to yeah. be like so easy because it's like, oh, it's a little tweet. Oh, it's easy. Like I can get it in and out of my mind. Yes. Uh, and I find at first, by the, sorry, I'm sorry. I cut you off, but I, it sounded like when you first said it, I thought you were saying, you were saying, do you like to do X as in the variable? And I thought you were saying, do you like to do X like ecstasy? <laughs> and you're like surveying ADHD people <laughs> for their ecstasy use. Uh, it's like, whoa, this turned a weird corner. All right. This is getting fun. Uh, yeah. No, I meant like, yeah, a math yeah. major here. So, um, yeah. Uh, do you like to do X? Do you like to do Y? Finding out that so many similarities. Maybe I should have yeah. said Y. Sorry. Um, Sorry. The, uh, the question, I'm trying to remember what the question was again. It was, um, yeah, you got me off the track now. Oh, you were talking about, is it easier to do tweeting versus other things or? Oh yeah, so like for some reason, email is like the hardest damn thing for me in the world. You mentioned email and I was wondering like, yeah. why is it easy for me to like reply to somebody's tweet? But like email, I know, I, I just have this like, it's almost like there's this anxiety. It's like, I know I'm gonna have to get into it. Yes. I'm gonna have to dive in deep and I have to think hard about how I wanna respond. And it literally could be the same exact responses I would do on a tweet, but there's the the barrier there of like email is going to be long and it's just this task and it yeah. just takes a lot of concentration. And so I'm just like, people will be like, I emailed you two months ago, but it's like, I'm really yes. shitty at email. 
Yep, me too. And I and I think it's something to do with the psychology of, and I actually tell my students like, don't email me. Do anything but email me. Do text me. You know, tweet to me. Whatever direct message. I think it's that email feels like a task, whereas a lot of these other forms, like Slack, even to me, feels like a conversation. And so there's like it feels a little human, feels exciting. You know, you're going to get a response and talk. Whereas email feels like. Uh, doing a worksheet and anything like that is just yes. incredibly difficult. Yep. And I I know how stupid that sounds, but you can't understand unless you deal with that. Um, yeah, so, yeah. well, and, and I could I could carry on the like a deep and engaged conversation that continues to get deeper, uh, fully engaged. For to, I do this with my friends till like three in the morning. It just yeah. doesn't stop. Yeah. But and and it's like if you analyze them at, after the fact, it's like this huge, ridiculously in-depth conversation that carried on for four hours. And my wife will say, "I don't know how you do it. Yeah. Like I can't even talk to people that long. <laughs> yes. I don't even want to." Yep. Whereas uh, an email, right? Like it's I don't know something about it. It's like there's got to be like a guidebook for like. Design yeah. for ADHD people. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yes. And, uh, right. you know, I, I just want to, one thing I'm going to say, I was, th I thought after we started talking, I thought I'll give a preface at the beginning of the show. That's just a general apology for cutting you off. But whenever I'm talking to somebody, I'm not good at it. It's a it's saying it's a thing I had to learn uh, about how to not interrupt people when you get excited. But Whenever I'm talking to somebody with uh, ADHD, it's 50 million times worse. And so uh, you're bringing out my worst side in that way. So apologies to you and to the listeners. Um, but yeah, <laughs> my, my apologies too. I, and, and being somebody that deeply cares about other people, yeah. a lot of people would be like, my wife will bring my attention. She'll be like, you do realize you interrupt people all the time. And I'm like, I know. it's my brain is off in this other place. And a lot of times it's off in this other place at the same time that it's, that it's thinking about what you're saying. And it's so excited about what you're saying that, that I, that I cut in. And like, if I could say anything about what it feels like to be ADHD, I would say that it feels a lot like take all the foreground noises and take all the noises that are in your, your internal dialogue and then the actual dialogue that's happening in front of you and now flatten them to have the exact same like audible input and the yes. same. Um, and it's like all these things are happening at once. And that's what's happening when ADHD people, what I read is when they actually uh, when they actually zone out is because the brain is fatigued and it's like trying to take a nap yes. and that's why caffeine and shit helps because it True. flushes blood back into the brain to wake it up again yes and that's what people don't understand is that a lot of that's why the name is really weird is that for uh adhd people uh, it, you actually have too much attention your brain is so on that you have a really difficult time knowing which things to pay attention to and that's why the ultimate uh, cure for it is finding something that consumes you with interest and if you have that you can focus more than anybody in the world and so for me uh, yeah the things that gather that really grab my attention I'm super good at um, but I think yeah. that's it. I have not actually heard it put that way but I, yes. I think that's yeah because the people think like he just can't focus and I even say this to my son like he just can't focus yes. he, he lacks the attention it's like 
bullshit. Yeah. You have like superpowers of attention, but the problem is your brain doesn't have the ability to keep up with all of it. Yes. So it's this imbalance in that way. And then you just like fizzle. Yep. And my brain yeah. is, uh, uh, in my brain, that's why I try to tell my wife before is like, just think of like, I don't know what it's like to be in your brain, but I'll tell you, you know, tell, tell my wife, I don't know what it's like to have a normal brain. My brain is like, what about this? What about that? What about this? What about that? You're like, Oh, like I can't, I can, it never goes away. That that's just all the time. And usually there's random thoughts like being hungry and then really deep existential thoughts, you know, deep for me, <laughs> maybe not profound, but deep in that they're like questioning the universe in the background all the time. And it was like, I man. I think I was already catching the tip of this iceberg when we first talked. I was like, yeah, Andy's definitely like a type of me. Yes. Like, <laughs> he's, he's like a brother from another yeah. mother. Yeah, dude, it, I know. All that's going on at once. You're like, I had an idea for the really cool illustration. And then you're like, oh, I got this idea about like, what What if we were all wrong about our human existence? And this, and it's all happening at once. Yep. And it's very strange. Uh, I don't know how to explain it. Yeah, it's, it's tough. And I do know. I do know that people are always like, I don't understand how you have so much creative energy. You always have ideas and you never fizzle out. And this goes back to what you said. I don't want to take meds because like I, I am creative because I am who I am and I yeah. live in the brain that I live in. And at some point you're like, I don't want to stop these ideas yes. from happening and I don't want to fizzle yeah. because part of this disorder is actually helping me. Yep. It is a disorder. I don't, I'm still, I'm still a little weird. So part of me just thinks that it's like, it's not a disorder. It's just a different kind of brain that is not, uh, uh within the larger percentage of brains, Yes. you know? And I, yeah, I, that's, I mean, that's where I land. The way that I land is like, it's a, it's a disorder for this society in this society. This society a lot right. of the things that you value, I suck at now, a lot of the things that it's really hard to I had to I feel like that's the thing about creative pep talk and why I'm so passionate about it is all of these things that for a lot of creative people they have these weird uh, this weird type of value that is really difficult to prove and and show your stuff and it requires so much time and energy and direction to get there to where people are, are like oh actually Andy has something cool to bring to the table. Look at all the stuff he's doing. Um, you know, that that I that, that I don't actually think that I think a disorder is a really weird way to call what it is. Um, but yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. I want to shift gears a little bit. You talked about one of the main things I want to talk to you about is this uh, idea of kind of it's about self-actualization becoming who you really are meant to be or who you really are beyond what you were raised to be your persona all that jazz and you'd mentioned back a few years ago when you started thinking about meds or whatever that there was a time in your life where you were kind of going outside of your parents wishes so to speak even in minor ways right. what did oh, this that... is like the actual topic of the whole show yes right, yeah. <laughs> okay yeah. so we're going there yeah right. i just thought it sounded like a decent segue mm -hmm. into that topic so let's go into that 
what did you call it? It's like a hero's journey. It's the hero's like, journey. Uh, yeah, the hero's journey, and basically, it's where you 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 cut off from the the path that was given to you, and yeah, and you've got some opposition. That's um, a big part of it. It's like it's basically a call to the unknown that requires like saying that's uh, that's like the first step of the journey is saying no to the path you were given, and it's kind of like Pocahontas, I guess, where uh, she's, she said she has to marry Kokoam. And uh, she's like, no, I'm going to take a different path. So basically, I'm asking you, what was your John Smith? Oh, my John Smith. <laughs> I will be the only one to say that my John Smith was the actual John Smith. No. <laughs> what a beautiful man. Uh, 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 my John Smith. Um, what well, started you that... doing going down that path of like kind of breaking the, the, the tract? Yeah, so the the track for me was um, I'm trying to remember exactly what it was. Uh, yeah, it was um, my dad. Uh, it was uh, all sort of leave all reasons or sort of like conjecture as to why it all happened. But like, yeah. my dad thought oh, he was um, he homeschooled me. Or him and my mom homeschooled me, my stepmom, yeah. and uh, and they they believed that I was like really good at math. Um, yeah. and that math and, and accounting was good for me. Um, like I said, I'll leave out the reasons why I don't know. Um, right. But they, they were, were you like, just like, okay at math when they were teaching it to you or what? I think I, for some reason was just like really damn good at, uh, like, uh, the story that I've told myself recently is I'm really good at, uh, being curious and picking up new things and, uh, and, and just like. My dad taught me to be really damn stubborn and beat my head against a rock until like a solution presented itself yeah. and to not give up. Yeah. And I think I have a really, really uh, good not give up bone. And so I I just got good at it and all my siblings gave up and I just got good at it. And they're like, he's a whiz at math. And it, it, there was no like understanding per se of like that Raji really loves this stuff. It was yeah. more and and just full full disclosure i i for some reason naturally grew up loving disney uh my parents we lived in a home that was very shut off from a lot of different things but we got to watch disney movies and yeah. i love those things and i love drawing and i love pausing disney movies and 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 like the characters like making the characters but my parents being very religious at that time that was my path that was yeah. where i was wanting to go i wanted to be like an animator and my parents believed because of some propaganda they were given that like Disney as a company was like satanic at its core right. and like, and, and a lot of animation, anything really mainstream was like super uh, evil at its core. And so uh, there was a moment when my dad threw away all of my drawings and, uh, and actually literally burned my drawings yeah. um, and it's still a memory in my head. And, and it was a message of like, these are evil and literally said, look in their eyes, they're evil. Um, and so that was my path, but yet got taken away from me. And then it was like, I think after that, it was like, I was apathetic. I was like, uh, maybe at age 14 or 16, I was like, I, I love football. Yeah. I want to be football player and i was playing football all the time once again the evil creeps in yes. uh, my dad, my dad tells me you cannot play football because team sports are evil because they're bent on destroying the opponent and it's not based on humility and teamwork and i and i disagree with it i said well dad i really want to go to a high school i looked it up i could i could be a homeschooler but still uh you know be in a high school football team and my dad told me uh, if you want to be a football player, then you can move out of my home and yeah. not talk 
me. And so that was my path. And that was that was what I yet again, I tried to reestablish something that I loved. And that again was evil. Uh, yeah. So, you know, it's no wonder that I was apathetic and went to school for uh, for accounting of yeah. all things. I right. hate accounting. Yeah. Golly. Let, OK, there's so much stuff that I want to unpack. And uh, before I before I dive in, I just want to say that uh, coming from Indiana, coming from, you know, especially extended family being very religious. Um, I think something that people that don't have that experience don't understand is that I, I, I feel like watching all of this stuff happen because I, I didn't have those experiences. My, I feel like my dad um, is a spiritual guy. You know, he has a, a faith and a practice and all that, but he's always been a very like rational thinker and pr very pragmatic to couple mm. with that. Now, I, lots of my extended family, aunts and uncles and all that, uh, I watched a lot of those stories play out in the same way. And I think one of the things that um, people that haven't experienced that can't understand is that these are like extremely well-intentioned people with beautiful souls uh, that get caught up with the wrong kinds of ideas that are very convincing. And um, I don't, and there's a lot of like psychology on how to kind of get people to in this zone. And so I don't want to as before, I just wanted to be careful as we dive into this story. I don't want to paint your, your dad in any light or, or um, anything like that. Like that's definitely not my purpose, but I feel like mm -hmm. this story is so powerful that I, would you know love to kind of dive into the detail if that makes sense yeah uh and just to to tack onto that real quick uh i i have a ton of grace for like where my parents were coming from yes um a mom uh so dad and stepmom raised me a mom that was uh literally hearing voices quote unquote demonized hospitalized pretty tragic little thing and and if i see their hearts right they were running from something from what their parents taught them some evil their parents taught them and they were just trying i can see it in my dad now he, he sort of lost all that that crazy superstitious stuff he yes. was just trying to protect me my story is still real because what i saw as a kid that sucked yes. but but my dad and, and stepmom truly were just trying in their own way with the education handed to them trying to protect me from yes. a a demonic force that they saw happening in our lives yeah. and so yeah I, I don't think you're disrespecting i think clarifying that too is really really good yeah that's awesome i, I love yeah. that so when when did uh the whole burning of the drawings and all that stuff take place like how old are you i think i was probably around i, I it's a little fuzzy i don't think i've really for <laughs> for obvious reasons not really right. dug it up much yeah. Uh, yeah i apologize gosh but i it's such a good story that i think is so powerful and um so yeah sorry for prodding at this but no, i do no, think it's no sorry no sorry prod away prod away like i said i'm an open book yeah true so um i think i was probably around 12 12 or 13 um really being into like drawing the line. I mean, one of the characters like Simba from Lion King. And of course I'm trying to replicate art, right? Yes, so right. trying to replicate what I see and what I like. And so, um, yeah, I'll, I want to leave room for other stuff. So let's keep going. All right. Uh, okay. Um, now, so that you go through that, all that experience and, uh, you become, you end up kind of 
getting into you're, you go into accounting and then eventually you end up getting into uh, computer science, right? Which is a little bit closer to maybe your interests. I think so. I think I think building is important to me. I think yeah. creating and that having the skill set to do so is really important. Yeah. So sort of meandered, went to a community college, went to accounting, actually flunked a class. That was my first one because I hated it yeah. uh, and I never wanted to go. Um, so I don't care if I got an F because, damn it, I, I guess I wanted <laughs> to get an F. I hated this. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I stumbled into uh, some computers. I, I had some weird meeting with a guy on a plane and he was like, oh, he worked for some big companies and you could make X money. And the way that my dad works is like, it's all about getting that salary. It was about, you know, establishing that salary. And I was like, okay, well, that's good money. And it was like mm. 40,000. And I was like, I could, I, I want to make that money. And what do I do then? Just yeah. tell me what I do. And he was like, well, we do programmer, you know, hire programmers out of your local college. So that's exactly what I did. I went to the programming thing. I did Q basic. I, I wrote some weird little funky games. One game was called like roll them dice, baby. I don't know why it's <laughs> a great title, but, uh, and it was the simplest, most horrible game. Yeah. Uh, uh, but then, yeah, I did that, went through college. And as I went through college, um, kind of heard this story once again, you're really good at math, you're really good at math. Uh, and and I, in retrospect, I should have been like, yeah, I'm good at it, doesn't mean I like it, yeah. but I, I got a double major as a result of that. So it was a computer science, math, double major, uh, and it did the whole, you know, overachiever, you know, thesis thing, all that, did a, a thesis on creating random fractal landscapes and like 3D geometry, like yeah. uh, all kinds of like crazy stuff. Uh, but it, but it, but you could just I could even see looking back like even in using um, some of the database I made a database uh, program and like I had to style the whole interface for some reason I was in a crazy taxi the game yeah so the whole thing looked like a taxi cab like crazy, like crazy taxi the game Boom, but it so was funny. like for inputting like customer data <laughs> yeah that's so funny that's good so yeah i mean i graduated like 23 ish or something yeah. um took like five years to do it um all, all the while just i think important for the story uh really coming out of flip-flopping in my faith as a christian like i remember a point at which i just was like ah, i think i'm an atheist and i was working in a very highly uh i was working as a as a waiter mm -hmm. and i think a lot of my natural who i was was coming out i thought i was a an introvert but but not just an introvert in the sense that we know it now but i thought that i was like a quiet person right um and like didn't talk much stayed in the corner and that's yeah. because i had never really interfaced with like society much i was a homeschooled kid yeah um and so I, uh, I, the real me begins to come out. I'm hanging out with people, loving people, and and learning about people, and and like meeting all sorts of different people with diverse backgrounds and diverse uh, sexualities, diverse lifestyles. Yeah. And I love these people. These people are my friends. And so, of course, you know, a typical faith situation. It's all black and white as you think it is. And so yeah. you want to throw the baby out with the bathwater. So then I was just sort of like questioning everything and and. And so, so then, are you saying, sorry, I just wanted to pause you real quick and just say, you're sure. saying that part of your deconstruction of your faith was, uh, the, uh, the churches or, or parts of the churches kind of intolerance or hatred for different sexual orientations, so to speak, was like one of totally. the things that caused you to really walk away. Totally. Because I, um, 
you as a as a Christian kid that's raised in a very specified, uh, very version ridiculous of yeah. version of a Christian faith, which is just like you know a, a woman wa- very gender roles, very like a woman walks in with a dress or a, a pants on, and they they push pull her to the side and say, um, "We need you to be wearing a dress." Yeah, uh, that just, just like imagine ridiculous, and then go further. Yeah, um, <laughs> and yeah. so. And so uh, I, I'm looking into the eyes of these people that are my friends and like they're not the people that my parents told me they were. Yes. They're not the vile sinners that, you know, are, are just living a, you know, a life away from God, loving people. Like I'm finding that I have a lot of commonality with them and they're very loving and they're very this and that. And, yeah. and I'm this is really pitching my belief system, everything that I've been taught. Uh, it's really stretching it and breaking it and exposing holes in it. Um, and I would guess the from then on, probably age twenty till now, age thirty-seven, uh, it's I've been exposing holes and patching up holes and trying to see if this is something I still believe in and at which degree and what of it is like American Christianity or what of it is just like this weird shit that I was taught that's not even it's like a cult. Yes. So yeah, yep, yep. So there you're you deconstructing go. all of that and growing up, and um, so at some point you we get to this point where you go to Disneyland and you're reminded of who you were as a kid, what excited you, all the drawing and all that jazz. Um, am I skipping too far ahead or do you want to go? No, there? I think, I think that's really good because what happened over those years is I, I was married and almost got divorced yeah. and then, um, uh, and then I had a child and my wife almost died. Well. Um, because she has a blood clotting disorder we didn't know about and uh, literally find out about it one night. She's pregnant and the doctor says, this is serious. It's so serious that she chance she, there's a greater chance she'll die tonight than live. Oh my God. And that was all just like a lot of, a lot of trauma, a lot of things going on all at once. Uh, a lot of faith in God was restored then and and sort of a rewriting of of my own faith and sort of now now not to now just kind of fast forward right into that disneyland moment i think that you know my wife made it through and and there was so much i had rewritten my own sort of like relationship with with uh, i don't really call it a relationship but my own beliefs about what god means for us and i think that that disneyland like this is all part of their self-discovery of being like like almost as if God was like, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm rewriting all these, these false beliefs yeah. uh, that, that were implanted in you because of these idiots. And, and now I'm going to rewrite the version of you that was when you were a kid yes. when that got taken away. Yeah. And it just kind of all happened and hit. It was like almost as if I had turned off the switch for all those passions because they were evil. And then uh, in that moment, God just like flipped the switch back on and said, okay, come on back. And yeah. that was really cool. Yes. And actually, I love all of that because I've had, I'm not going to go into super deep detail with all of it because this is an interview with you and not me, but just to say that, you know, I have a lot of the same kinds of experiences. And one of the things that uh, I think is really beautiful about that is that the I think the same thing that's pulling you away from who you were made to be and and everything you were grown up in is part of that to 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 go away from home so to speak uh, and really deconstruct and walk away is like incredibly difficult but I think there's always a silver lining of like 
you're going to return to the parts of it that were good. Like, you know, it's not going to, you're not going to wipe away your entire past and everything you've ever known and then totally be completely different than everything you've ever expected. I think there is a part of you that um, after you go through that process of stripping yeah. away, you return to the things that were good about, you know, where you were. I, I think that it would, it would be like stupid to think that, that that wouldn't happen just because like, it's so, it's too hard to unwire yeah. everything that we've True. been made to be. I think you go to a, like gone to a lot of therapy and counselors and I, I, these things, if you want to truly change like rewrite who you are, it's hard as shit and it takes <laughs> tremendous amount of work. Yeah. So I think it is most easy to return back. You know, I, I, I definitely kick against the things that I believe that are wrong, yeah. but like, yeah, I think it's easier for me to return back to a, a faith in a Christian God. Um, because you're but but then toss out all the other things yeah yeah and so that whole that whole process of all that like uh trauma and all that that you're going through in early 20s uh is kind of the process of stripping away down all to your basic core and then through that and 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 grappling with all of this stuff you are almost like um rejuvenated to a more base version of yourself. And this is when you're going on vacation. Yeah. It's, it's just like, uh, all the trappings, you know, we, we get, we get overloaded as a, as if the backpack just keeps on getting another rock and another pound and another pound. And at some point it's too hard to take another step and you have to empty it all out again. And, and like when it's empty, it's like, now it's really fun. Now yeah. it's now now you're back to like it's like it, I I remember even thinking like I'm back I'm back to being a kid again. And I think that yeah. even if my bio was just like big kid. Yeah. Um, yeah. I you know I went through the same thing where the past five years I feel like about five years ago I I went through like a big stripping back of everything that I was given and it was really scary and and it freaks you out and you kind of ask every question about yourself and about your situation and your faith and your everything. And uh, once you get to the other side of that really scary place, there's almost no better place to be because that's when you, yeah, you feel like you're, you've got that blank canvas and you're ready to put on the real stuff. Uh, And I totally, totally relate to that. And that's part of what I know it's like kind of psychological and, and whatever, but I feel like, uh, this is the stuff that I've been trying to talk about with the audience through the Creative Destiny series because I keep saying that so much of be- about being a fantastic artist or creative person is that journey of self-actualization and going through that difficult work so that you can create that stuff that's you on the oh, canvas yeah. so that other people can see it as a mirror and recognize things in themselves that they've never seen. And there's just all this power in... I feel like for the artist, that's that's a large part of your job is to do the really tough work that then becomes, you know, the stuff that you make. And then other people can enter through that, you know? That's like much deeper than I probably would be capable of articulating. But (laughs) I, I, I will say this, like that's, that kind of like triggered me. I was like, wow, like uh, the journey I've taken over the last, you know, of course, new hardships, but, uh, the yeah. journey I've taken over the last like six years, um, uh, has, has certainly connected me, uh, ha- 
put me through the fire, but connected me with my fellow like man and woman yes. in deeper ways than I ever have. And and I never really thought about how that works in in the design and art world, but like, isn't that what art is about? Like, and yeah. design too is about connecting or or being to so humanity to humanity that you understand that like the button works better here because that's how humans work or this this emotional state or this 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 imagery paired together works well because that's how most humans connect yes. but that's like part of understanding yourself shines the light on uh understanding them exactly and i when i was uh i feel like when i was like 20 22 and you'd have these really phenomenal artists that had done that work come in and say you need to put yourself into the work and really be authentic and i think at the time i have so much clutter all that stuff that's been given to me just like you were talking about with the heavy backpack all of this stuff and i feel like i even had a sense of like I can't put this stuff in there. And it was, and he, <laughs> yeah. you know, and it was, there was a, I don't know, even looking back, I feel like there was a intuition there that was like, I, all the things that I claim to be aren't me. So I don't really feel comfortable putting myself, so to speak, into this work, um, which is just, yeah, I don't know. So that, that journey was massive for me. So let's talk about, uh, you go to vacation and I just want to know, the story of the internal dialogue, the how all of that starts coming out where you're thinking about making art again, because I can imagine there's a lot of self-talk and psychology and all kinds of stuff there, as that's happening. There on, like there honestly wasn't. Really? Like, there, <laughs> yeah, here comes the deep answer. Comes. Um, there, it, like I said, it was literally like a switch got turned on. I will tell about sort of like the, I'm very sort of like emotional sensitive. So yeah. I, I think uh, a lot of times the reason that I make decisions, uh, they, they happen through like emotional Emotion. experiences. Yeah. But um, I, it, it basically was, uh, I had my son on my shoulders and it was a full, wonderful day at Disneyland. And, you know, as a kid, I would go to Disneyland and I would just eat it up, man. I would go yeah. to little stores and I would grab the books and the books were like a hundred dollar hardbound and I'm like, I can't get it. So I just sit there yeah. and just read it and look at it and flip through the pages. And, and so this was seven years ago and I had become a designer. It's not that I don't like design. I do, but there was just that, like that me, that passionate, that like, this was me, what was lost. Uh, it, it was just all day, I think. And this whole, it was a five day Disneyland trip. And this was toward the end of the trip. And I was in the middle of main street and it was the fireworks show. It's already, you're, you're emotionally, uh, a little bit exhausted and physically exhausted, but you're yeah. so happy. And I've got my son, I believe it was seven years ago. So it would have been probably Jackson, yeah. maybe Jameson on my shoulders. And I'm looking up at the, uh, you know, looking up at the fireworks and it was just like all in one big like whoosh moment where I was just like, like as if it was a voice just saying like, like I connected so much with the, the growing up. Um, and even as a 20, like all, nearly in a divorce, like as a 24 year old man, like with the Lion King story of that one moment where it was like the the father Mufasa comes out of the clouds and he was yeah. like, you're, you're not who you were meant to be. Like, remember who you are. Super emo. Yes. But like, yeah. I Dude, really, I, feel it. I feel tingling right now. Yes. And, and so it was like that. It was like a, you are not who, who you were meant to be. You need to remember who you are. And it was just like flick. And then it was like, I got to start drawing. Yeah. I got to start drawing. 
like and, and it was like this belief again this yeah. belief in myself again like it was as if as a kid i was told you can't do this nope you can't do this you want football nope you can't do this nothing you can do is good yeah. here let me get, show you what you can do that is good and it was this switch that that flipped it back and said but but you can yeah. but 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 it was it was okay and it was just, at that point the belief in the and the the self actualization the the reali- realization that i you know i can do it uh, was there and i remember picking up a pencil just being like i hadn't drawn since i was 13 man that's crazy 20 17 years of not doing something that i did every day for most for as much as i can remember yeah did it yeah. come back pretty quick did you feel like natural getting back into it i know <laughs> I, I remember just being like, my man, that is a shitty drawing. <laughs> I remember just being like, what? I have stumps for hands. Like, yeah. I re- and I remember looking at my drawings from when I was like, you know, at 13. I was like, shit, I was not bad. I was on the path and I really sucked. Yeah. Yes. And actually, I just want to speak to this and this may maybe just uh you know us weird uh grew up in the in in faith culture also uh grew up at disney world disneyland and all that jazz talking but like five people (laughs) (laughs) but but i feel like in that same way as i have like entered my own journey grappled with tough questions, made my own decisions about things. These classic stories that are just retellings of myths and and stories we've always told as people, just things exactly like The Lion King or whatever. I know that we both have bonded over uh, Moana on Twitter. But these stories, all of a sudden, the classic uh, kind of stories that we tell over and over again have just come to life and for me when i engage with those things now having gone through or feeling at the heart of a journey uh they really do move me and they really like mean something to me um and i yeah i don't know i think if you numb those questions and that that aching thing that's telling you to go try that thing that you wanted to do or Mm -hmm. whatever it is if you numb it and you deny it and you all that stuff the stories that people have always told won't do anything for you because you won't recognize the same human battles but as you enter it all of a sudden uh and it's and of course connecting with that humanity is going to make you so much uh better at creating those stories yourself right I totally agree, but I, I always told you I hated like one-way monologues, and now I'm really curious because this is still kind of awkward for me, like that being asked questions and answering. Yeah. And of course, you're being like a, a gracious, wonderful host, but like now I just can't. I gotta know, like, what was your thing? Like, I don't distill it how you see fit, but like, yeah. I wanna, I wanna know, like, what. I'm curious. I want to know what, like, what you went through. Why you <laughs> I'm not trying it. to be so cryptic, but I just don't, you know, I, I talk for like so many hours on the internet that I, I'm, I'm sensitive yeah, to but this going time deep. You but... Get, but this time you got the question back, so like it's just rude <laughs> to not answer. Uh, so, you know, I'll, I'll give you the short version, but I, I grew up um, uh, in, a, in a Christian house and, the, you know, we went to church off and on. Uh, my, uh, my dad's faith is definitely important to him. That's definitely a thing, but I, I grew up, um, 
a lot like my mom who was uh, a drug addict and she was not in the house. So I think it's also really interesting between you and I oh. that we share growing up in our dad's home, which is a pretty uh, unusual story. I kind of realized later after the fact, you know, like Whoa, usually yeah. it's the dad that leaves. So, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. yeah, so I can definitely relate to that. It's a different journey, but <clears throat> I never really for a long time. I'm a lot like my dad, but I didn't realize that until I was grown up. And uh, my mom was the artist, and she's the one that has ADHD. And um, and I kind of everybody told me that I was going to be just like her. And as mm. as you get to be 13, and you're and you find out who she really is, you're like, oh, I'm doomed because this is my path, and I'm going to be a disaster of a person and be a drug addict and all this stuff. And um, and so by the time, so I, I did do a lot of drugs and stuff in high school and, um, you know, had no path and I was just the goofball and all that. And then when I got into art, uh, I started taking life a lot more seriously. Mm-hmm. And it was, I think it was kind of through that, that I started to uh, get into my dad's faith and kind of had the conversion experiences around 18 and then the first five years of my 20s were pretty uh, orthodox Christian situation, um, you know, going to church and, and all that jazz. Um, and then I think... Can around... I ask real quick what flavor, just because there's what so flavor? many similarities here. What flavor? <laughs> I, I actually had the fear of becoming my mom, but I actually had the fear of becoming my mom uh, like six years ago. Right. Um, and <laughs> Right. Yeah, I get that. Uh, what flavor of Christianity? This was, I mean, I don't think that, I think uh, my gut impulse to reject uh, just uh, so much of it from the start meant that I never dove really deep into any denomination yeah. because I just every, I was always surrounded by a billion, I, I feel like because we moved a lot, you know, I was in England and the flavors over there are completely different. Like, I feel like I never felt a a home that I could call my own. So I always was just kind of piecemealing between non-denominational. And when I was over in the UK, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of like charismatics and, and all that jazz over there. Um, and so I, I witnessed every kind of walk basically um i don't feel like i ever dove deep into any particular sect of it um and then when you came into it at age 18 right like at this point like i feel there's like there's a lot more like victim like uh, i feel like kids of a very harsh religion are more victimized when they're like you know just fed fed it when they're you know spoon fed it when they're like born and then and yeah. then older you're 18 you've you've experienced a few things you've done some drugs like yeah you're starting to form your own mindset and then you jump back in i can see why you might like kind of cock your head a little bit and go like eh, i don't know if i, I, and I, I think I, yeah exactly i think i think i did get hardcore in that I, you know i've come to realize that like religion uh can be super good for behavior modification and and getting getting yourself on to a respectable kind of situation and and for me i think that it was all of those things and i really Mm -hmm. needed all of that at the time but um and at the same time i was this vulnerable person who was desperate to not have a super failed life and uh I think there was also, if you go to any church, not, no, that's, that's, that's not fair, but if you go to lots of churches and you express sincere, deep in, 
interest, you're going to be handed so many burdens, whether that's volunteering or just all kinds of freaking theological baggage and uh, just all <laughs> kinds of stuff. And so I feel uh, yeah. like from ages 18 to 23, I was just like a student of all of these different types of people that you know, some definitely did not deserve the the respect and authority that I allowed them to have in my life. Um, mm -hmm. And so there was all that. And then I think uh, when I was probably about, so I'm, I'll be 31 tomorrow. Uh, but but uh, when I, uh, when I was about 25, I feel like I went into hardcore deconstruction, probably spent quietly spent really having whatever my faith had been was just gone and it was a, it, I don't even know what it was other than just like allowing myself to ask questions that I hadn't allowed myself to ask and just started pulling threads that I felt as a responsible person I needed to ask those questions like <laughs> you know all the things about um, all these teachings and and, uh, and so I went through a period where it was just like whatever that feeling was of faith just completely disappeared for a good two years. And then mm -hmm. I think I slowly reconstructed a worldview that I'm sure just makes Orthodox American Christians <laughs> like shudder with disgust and fear. But uh, um, your, your thoughts are coming like right out of my, right out of, <laughs> I think our, our year, you know, year wise, our path, I'm probably a little bit further yeah. down, uh, meaning I've done a lot of this deconstructing yeah. over the last few years, but mm -hmm. like, uh, <laughs> yeah, I would just say that about my faith now, as I would just say, for those that are listening, uh, here come, <laughs> or I would just say to you, don't worry, well, you can go ahead and DM me, but, yeah, uh, yeah. yeah it would, it would just be, be like, but this doesn't, but this doesn't fit, like, oh, but this doesn't work, and, yeah. yep, and so I, that, and that, that's one of the reasons why I, I've talked really cryptically on the podcast about it because it's such a complicated issue for me and i to me it's weird through all of that stuff faith uh in its own way is a giant part of my existence now uh same same here probably more than it ever has been so i would say i would say say totally same um it, it, it's it still permeates my my every day the way that I think about life the way that I think yeah. about people the way that I love people what I think I'm called even even in my terminology like yes. called to do uh, but uh, yeah I would just say that yeah I've definitely definitely deconstructed a lot and and I think to be respectful for those that are really listening um, and they're like absolutely in love with their faith right now yeah um, that people are complex people yeah. have nuanced complex stories True. i mean i i just went through talking about like all this crazy shit and about all this demonizing all this stuff yeah. Yeah. that happened like this shapes my worldview in a way that's different than your worldview and also the state of American Christianity, as I know it, is like incredibly different. You go to one, yeah. it's different. Oh, than totally another. true. Yeah, absolutely. It's just true. as different as saying like I'm a bodybuilder and meeting another bodybuilder and saying they're the same. It's yes. very different. Yes. Yeah. It's so exactly true. Your flavor and, could be very helpful. And that's and and that's why I I am really sensitive to the topic because I think especially in America it's such a divisive issue and my own experience is so unique and 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 I I think the best way that I've described it what the difference between before and now is this uh, thing that 
Alan Watts says about faith is supposed to be isn't supposed to be clinging to something it's supposed to be letting go of control and I think that's the difference between you know Andy 18 to 25 to Andy 28 to 31 is I've I my faith is about letting go more than it is clinging to specific things and it's really good for my mental health I think um I've, I've, with my new form of faith, which yeah. you know, is what people would say about it, right. we haven't actually fully defined it in yeah. any way, which is good. Um, yeah. <laughs> I would say the same thing too. It is, it has become about letting go. It has become about realizing that we're all a little bit, you know, tweaked, a little bit messed up. Yeah. Um, but, but it's definitely given me great uh, responsibility in, in like taking ownership of saying, yeah, but I can still fix it and I can still work on it, but just get get that like everyone's struggling with stuff like the empathy level is definitely skyrocketed with people and understanding that like we all are are come from different backgrounds we have different opinions about life and and these opinions and what our parents have done to us they really hurt us or help us and i I don't know i would say it's it's definitely in what my faith has done for me now is definitely uh helped to create a a culture of brother true like what i feel is like true brotherhood and sisterhood with 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 everyone not with just fellow people of the same faith. I completely agree. I feel like when I went through my deconstruction phase, I never, I never loved people as much as I have since then. And that changed that. I don't know. That's a good sign for me. And, uh, mm-hmm. let, let me ask you this. Um, and then we can kind of shift gears a little bit, but, uh, if you're cool with that, um, mm-hmm. I want to ask you, what led you because I imagine this all this stuff with your dad and those experiences and everything were obviously traumatic probably burnt in all kinds of different things into the neural pathways into your mind what what was the experience that led you to be open to going back down roads like art like I know we talked a little bit about this but I just want to like one of the things I've been talking a lot about is like um, you know the conversations you you have with yourself to end up taking to find your path and all of the things that stop you from doing that and I just wonder even before maybe when you're going through the trauma with family stuff or even before that with college you know there's a there's a thing there's in your mind let's just go back let's just go to Moana real quick the dad saying don't go to the ocean like don't go to the ocean to go to the ocean Something has to happen internally where you get a courage to say, I'm going to do it my own way, even though I was convinced that it was wrong. I wonder how did that shape, how did that, that dramatic transformation happen in your mind? Does that make sense? Is that a question that is coherent? It's coherent. It's hard to, to like, hard for me to, one thing about my brain that I know is that like, there's not a lot of there's not like a clear pathway through it. Like it's a it's, lot of little very, things, a lot of times. A lot, yeah, that's true. And it's it's like I, I don't know if I also cog. One thing I've learned through uh, counseling is like trying to actually give my myself a break and time to separate to to like actually process yeah. and and solidify and put like in some concrete some thoughts about what do I think about what's happening right now? What yeah. do I think about what the uh, way yeah. that I'm feeling? And and it was always just feelings, feelings, feelings uh, yes. before. And so I'm I, exactly the same. So I totally relate to that. Anyway, it's it's a weird one, and and it's good to learn. I'm actually really valuing the the, the logical side if I can get there 
uh, of those things. I think it's really helping to change me. What I'm trying to think what got me, I, I think what got me to that place, if I can right now, what I'm feeling got me to that place was at that point in my life, I had already kind of like, went off the rails with regards to where, you know, I, my dad told me not to go to college. I went to college, right? you know, so I was already making like before that. Yes. Right. There were like <laughs> micro rebellions, yes. so to speak, like very small little, like, Nope, I'm going to do this. Nope. I'm going to do this. And I think my internal dialogue was just a little bit stronger. Uh, and, and, and then that just the constant realization, I think that like, I, every time I would break down and like sob about some of these things or like get into an emotional place about like what dad did with those things or what mom did, I started, I started to realize, I, I think I finally saw, first of all, that my parents weren't right all the time, but I went to this spiritual inner healing thing, which I, I'm going to go ahead and swear by this one. Yeah. Um, there was like this, it was this funky, funky thing, but basically I realized that I had held all this bitterness against my dad. Yeah. I had held all this like angst against my dad for like, you, you stopped me. You kept me from what I wanted. Like you did this to me. I think that was a huge catalyst for it all. Um, when I was at that spiritual inner healing thing for two weeks at the end of it, I remember just like sobbing and it was okay so put your blinders on it's kind of weird but basically like <laughs> there was this guy that sort of acted uh, on behalf of my dad because yeah. we were sort of doing heart work and he said yep. what is it that you would want to say to your dad and say it to me yep. and so i said why did you take this away from me why did you why did you not see a little boy that needed this and this and why didn't you know that this wasn't what i that i loved why did you call these things evil blah 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 why did you take my dreams away from me? And and then, you know, sort of this guy acts as on behalf of my dad and gives me a hug and we cry and he's just like, I, I, I'm sorry. Mm. And it, it's not it, it's not the real deal, but it definitely like broke something loose in me where I was like, I let go. I remember always thinking about my dad and being pissed off about my dad. Yeah. And then and my, my, my siblings too. And I remember viscerally like months later my brother being like why aren't you pissed off at dad about this and i'm like i don't know i can just i can see i can see the good that he was trying to do it was as if that forgiveness uh and of course i this is the part of my faith that i wholly adhere to yeah in in letting go in in talking about what you were saying letting go forgiving for what he did uh, i was able to start uh understanding to see it with grace to see him as a human to see him as just me grown up a little bit with all my flaws and all my mistakes yeah. and i think that gave me license to just go it's okay to do it on my own now it's okay it's like yeah. he did you can too you're no different than him he's not this monolithic like dictator you know like because he punished very hard like there was a lot of fear associated with that and i i saw my yeah. dad as a as a real dude, just a regular dude like me, filled with failure, filled with wonderful things. Yes. And I could start to see the things that he did good. And and it, that just kind of empowered me, I think. Gave me the ability to like just start asking myself the questions, start doing that uh, dissection. So... Man, that is so, that's such an amazing story. I could take that a billion different places, but I'll just, you know, it sounds like you said that, I, I think I was kind of assuming, and I think a lot of us assume that these things that we fill our backpacks up with uh, are all the things that they did to us and all the wrong and, and uh, you know, 
all this stuff, all the ideas that were given to us and we fill up our backpack, but really it's all the stuff that we're holding on to and not forgiving. And it's a different, it's a, it's kind of a opposite way that I expected that to go. Uh, and I think it's really profound and I do. And, you know, I think however you do that work, I think, uh, one of the big takeaways is that you had some processes to process this stuff out um, and actually hit it head on. And that gave you the ability to uh, start fresh and start building and, and make your own mistakes um, and, and choices. That's awesome. That's fantastic. Yeah, I can't believe that I, initially when you asked that, I was like, not really. This is how my, my mind just like hides things. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I guess I guess it would be like you would think it would be like f you and i'm off and i'm doing this but like it was quite a different story and i do think that you're right in the sense that no matter how you do it no matter how you process it and it, this would resonate with even newer stories would be uh have people and have systems in your life that you can do the deep work with and don't be afraid of diving into that like internal darkness inside of you yeah. because and it is weird it is weird that like yeah my dad did wrong but oftentimes it's like if I could have given myself advice at age, you know, 17, it would have just been like, hey, man, like, it's OK. Like that. That was scared. That was scared. And he didn't know what to do. And he thought these things were evil. But like, it's cool. It's cool. And like, don't worry, like you could still make the decision to do that. But like we build these things up as so dramatic in our minds. And they're like as little kids, because they're our little kid brain. They're they're monsters. They're like yeah. they're huge yeah. and they're scary. And we don't go back there. We don't we don't go into that closet. And uh, yeah, yeah. It, it, I mean, literally, I had a few after that. I had a few talks with my dad where I, I actually told him, like, I remember on a hunting trip, it was not a big drag out knockdown thing. We're on a hunting trip and I just turned to him and I go, Hey dad. And we're like laughing. And I, I, I don't even know how this came out. I just go, remember when you burned my drawings? And he goes, yeah, yeah. Because they said they were evil. I said, yeah, that really hurt me, dad. That really hurt me. And that's as much as it was. And he goes, I know. And I'm sorry. I shouldn't have done that. Oh my but that gosh. was it. That was it. It was not like I hated my dad for 10 years. Like it was, that was it, man. Ah, that is just amazing. I'm glad that First of all, I'm really, really thankful that you would share all this stuff. And, uh, you know, I think that it's all really powerful and that uh, that's just amazing. Um, man, now, so, now I'm like, now I'm like super emotional. About it. <laughs> like, like, I'm just saying, I never really see this is my brain. Like, I never really did a full inventory. I never really yeah. walked through the and sort of like boxed the things up and put the labels on and said what it was. Yes. Man, you went through the deep work and you processed all that stuff. And I, this is the thing I've been encouraging people with is all of that stuff is then relevant. All of that health and that work and, and owning your, your journey as a human is so impactful in the way that you make your creative work. Because had you not, if you would have just done what your dad said and and kept in the box and stayed in that lane and became an accountant or even just went into computer science or whatever uh you know you wouldn't be doing all the stuff that you're doing now and you wouldn't have had that moment at disneyland and you wouldn't be you wouldn't be drawing and making all this amazing stuff 
And uh, that's. I think there's certainly something to like making like a cheesy phrase. I don't even want to do the lemon lemonade thing, but like right. just like <laughs> taking like like the Phoenix thing. Like there's something yes. to taking or, or even maybe not being that dramatic. I think that's something I'm learning is like not being so damn dramatic. I haven't things. learned like, that. That's for sure. I, I'm, I'm, I'm learning it. Like it's kind of reflected in that little comment of just going to myself and be like, Hey, yeah, you know, dad made a mistake. And like, he was scared, yeah. you know, he was yeah. scared. Like just trying to like dumb it down to like not be uh, so horrific. And I think that, you know, like often like, I can look back and go, you know what? Like it wasn't what I wanted at the time, yeah. but you know what? I learned how to program and I learned how to build some shit and I got yeah. really excited about it. And that's changed. It's certainly thrown me into a different thing, but who's to say that I can't make something amazing with what I'm on? Yes. Like these are different, these are different tracks, but it doesn't mean these tracks don't lead somewhere good either. So that's fantastic. I want to segue into something else that I want to talk to you about. One of the uh, key kind of principles that I've been talking about through this whole process is this idea of ultimate Spider-Man is made up of both his supernatural spider bite and then also his like normal background in science so that he can like create a web slinger and all of this jazz and and I'm keep I keep encouraging people to like own their entire story and yeah maybe they found this new supernatural gift that they have to draw or make music or whatever but mm -hmm. it's the way that you relate it to your whole story that makes you different and differentiates you and I wondered um, I see that in your own story, you have this kind of explosive moment with illustration, but I definitely think that the Raji that everybody knows and, and, and why you stand out is your history is so different as an illustrator. And it's the way that you combine that natural path with this supernatural love that um, ends up making this completely different portfolio. Would you agree with that? Does that feel true to you? Yeah, I mean, kind of. It's, it's, uh, I don't even know if I know what natural path means. Just means, I just mean, yeah, I'm speaking in like cryptic tone. Here's what I mean. I mean, like all the being a developer and knowing all of yeah. this, like stuff that you learned before you had this like supernatural breakthrough with illustration again. That's why you get to do all of the stuff that you do. It's the combination no, like, of both of those things. No, I'm and I'm I'm very thankful for it. Like I'm very thankful for and and I I I, I don't adhere to the like the whole like well you have a, you're a right brain thinker. You're I don't yeah, adhere to any yeah, of that. I don't yeah. you know even in even in like taking ADHD meds, I don't really adhere to the like I don't adhere to a lot of black and white thinking about totally. really anything. Yeah, yeah. You know, I don't think like meds are right for anyone or everyone. And I don't yes. think ADHD is really, I don't know if it's a disorder or a disorder brought on by the fact that we are in this society. And, or we're and in a broken well, machine and we're not the broken parts. Like maybe the working parts are the, are the one that screw up the broken machine. Like, you know, that's a totally uh, different way of looking at it. But yeah. To, yeah. Exactly. I think that that's how I'm wired. And so, and I think I'm wired eternally optimistic yeah. Although I've been through yeah. a few rough moments, I am wired very optimistically, very hopeful and very forgiving for yeah. like seeing people, seeing their struggle, seeing that, like seeing myself in them, uh, seeing equality there. And uh, uh, I would just say, yeah, yeah, I, I totally think that like, hey, different track, but like I got all these cool skills and what kind of. You know, it's like I got, I'm on an island with a hammer, you know, a hacksaw and a, a blowtorch. Yeah. Uh, maybe not the tools I wanted uh, initially, but like who the hell's to say what it was supposed to be anyway, or yeah, how it would have been if I would have gone back and, you know, just had the hacksaw. So um, 
who knows? But yeah, I'm thankful for it. And I think that, you know, I can cobble something together with these tools. Yes. And and I mean, you it's very unusual. Like, I don't think, and maybe that's just my own, uh, you know, blinders that I don't see all this, but I don't feel like I know a lot of illustrators that have the same skills as you. And uh, those tools mean that you're creating really, really different things. Does it feel like that to you? It does. It does. I think that it's inextricable. And I think that it's probably unknown to me. Like, I really don't know yeah. what it, I don't know my edge or like, or, or anything I may have that's different or unique. Yeah. I think that I'm pretty, pretty simple. Like my dad in that way, like I sort of just put my head down and build shit like yes. because fun to build stuff. Um, <laughs> it's, and so I would just say that, yeah, it's, it definitely seems though that, that there is something there. There's, there's something to having those skill sets all intertwined and yeah. Yeah, totally. That's awesome. Uh, all right. I have taken up, uh, an ungodly amount of time from you. But uh, it's so fun. I knew this conversation was going to be like insightful. I knew it from when we, we were in Memphis. Um, I even feel like I, even though I talk so much, you, you like, I kind of put some puzzle pieces together that I yeah. hadn't quite put together. So yeah, yeah, me too, man. That, that it was a, it was a very, uh, kind of, fortuitous encounter when we kind of met at the food truck line. It that was, was a, so short too. It was I know. Like a, it was like a five minute conversation or 10 maybe because the line was longer. But yeah, like, that was about it. It was more toward the end. Was it? Yes, it was more toward the end. And I was feeling the conference fatigue of an interacting with so many personas and putting on personas that you try so hard not to do, but you just end up getting into this rut where you're, you know, it's just conferences are amazing, but sometimes some point in a conference, I will have a little bit of conference fatigue and feel like, man, I just need to have like a really authentic conversation uh, and you came along right at that second and we just instantly started bonding over, uh, yeah, struggles there with was just ADHD instant and all kinds of stuff. Yeah. It was just instant bondage. I mean, yes. it was not bondage. We were bonding. Um, yeah. no, it, it was totally that, uh, I felt the conference fatigue too, which is exactly why we often will just kind of go off to a room. I know a lot of people do that. They go off to a room yeah. and just kind of. Uh, just because, and I think it's well-intentioned, but a lot of people will be like, oh, I know you from blah, blah, blah. And it's kind of like a, yeah, it, it's not, everybody's yeah. just trying to get to know each other. Yeah. You know? it's, it's just inevitable. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's going to happen. And yeah. So I'm, I'm thankful for it though. You're going to be there in Memphis. Yeah, man. Yeah. I saw that you're going to be, you're speaking. Good. Yeah. Wish me luck. Yeah. dude. <laughs> Good luck. And I will be there. I'm going to have a table and, uh, I'm going to try to take a back seat a little bit. I was kind of. Uh, you know, on stage for two years and I uh, just need to, yeah, I still want to be there and hang out and do all that jazz. But, uh, Hey, let's go to quickly. I had a ton of other things I want to talk to you about, obviously, but we're just going to have to do a round two sometime. And, uh, let me just quickly do the lightning round. And the first thing that I would ask you is what is the best piece of unsolicited advice that you would give just general people about, following their creative career like is there anything that you just think this is a principle that you just take to heart and it and it plays out in your career all the time uh yeah i'm sure you ask me tomorrow and be totally right. <laughs> 
I mean, that, yeah. I mean, it's it doesn't have to be the best ever. That's probably not the best way to frame it. But just like, what's one of the the attitudes or core values that you bring to the table that you feel like this is a big part of my what's good about my career? Uh, actually, I, I do have some some advice. I would just say that like. Um, Often what I see in people is like this, once again, is this black and white thinking of uh, I'm either in it and I'm chosen and I'm the one or I'm not and I'm over here and I'm I'm unhappy. I would just say be be as happy as you can be in the current job that you're in and do as, as good a damn job as you can. But realize that most of like you seeking after your heart and your goals and this and that. Uh, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't learn, like I didn't get taught design at school. I became a designer later because I liked it and I decided to add this onto my daily routine and learning that I, I can't speak enough to the value of like putting on your horse blinders um, and, and just doing the work, doing the yes. work. If you're passionate about like, you know, free range, you know, knitting or whatever the hell you like, like yeah. just do it and uh, just do it. And, and and just do it in the evening. Do it like yeah. manage your life. Take like oh your friends want to go out and drink tonight. I get that that's fun. But like how many times have you done that this week? Okay, like save yeah. a night, save yeah. an hour out of the day. Do that every day. Save an hour. Save an hour. Save an hour. Sketch, sketch, sketch. Draw, knit, do whatever. You know, be a horticulturist. Do the thing that you want. <laughs> Strangely enough, before you know it, you'll be where you want to be. But the black and white thinking never helped me. Never ever just think oh, I'm a plumber and I want to be a designer so I can never do that because I am a plumber. No, you're not. You're a guy that plums or a girl that plums and you're going to be a designer and you're just going to like make the time, make it work. And that's so... That's so good. That's such a good piece of advice. It's something we I talk about this all the time on the podcast, the idea of like the black and white dual thinking kind of thing and all the problems that it uh, creates for you. One of them being you're not either stuck. And even if it's in design, I feel like I meet a lot of people uh, that work in an agency or work in a day job that they're not thrilled about. And they look at the people out in freelance world and they think that day job equals hell freelance equals heaven and it's just this black and white thing and I'm always like none of that's true like you're always on the journey there's always ups and downs and then even in that way it sometimes for people it's it's do one part-time do the other one part-time that's a totally third way of thinking about it that's not black and white and that yeah that black and white just creates so many problems one I would say based on what we talked about often like just the overarching story here is like that we just talked about, which is oftentimes like we're our own worst enemies. We're the ones that, that are, that are holding ourselves up. And so think your own way out of this, think your own way out of this situation. Yes. I'm not going to be the person that says you can do anything. I understand that there are single moms with six kids that are, that the story is very real. I don't adhere to a lot of fake talk out there, but I do know that when I've made a lot of jumps and done things, it's been in the middle of crisis. It's been in the middle of, you know, having three kids. It's been in the middle of being married and and being a single income, but I've still reached for things. And and maybe it's not the thing I wanted as a kid, but like I've reached for something and it's been really fun. Yes, that's so good. That's a really, really good. Uh, all right, man. I'm not going to take any more of your time. I just completely had a blast having this conversation. It's uh, going to go down in the Creative Pep Talk history books for sure, and uh, I'll be looking forward to doing this again sometime, man. 
Dude, thanks so much. It's been uh, honestly more fun than I thought it would be, and the conversation was super great. Uh, not because I talked a lot, but also the questions and I think the yeah. connectivity with you. So loved it. Uh, thanks, dude. Yeah, uh, thanks, man. Appreciate it so much. All right. Well, I hope that you really enjoyed that oversharing <laughs> from me, uh, especially. Um, I actually, I wouldn't put that episode out if I didn't think there was tons of... Uh, real value to the connection between personal lives and health and our journeys and the creative work that we do. I think that this episode is a fantastic illustration of how how these things are deeply connected and uh, how you can develop and work in your personal life to also be the best creative that you can be. Uh, I just want to deeply, deeply thank Raji for coming on here and just sharing so much of his story and being so open and generous with that. I'm sure that there are thousands of people that will listen to this that will get something that they really, really need right now from that generosity and that vulnerability. Raji, thanks, man. You are a good friend, and I'm looking forward to seeing you in Memphis at Creative Works. If you guys want to go see Raji and Justin talk and uh, hang out and eat barbecue and do all that jazz, go sign up at creativeworks.co. All right. Thanks, guys, for listening, and I will be back next week with more pep. Uh, Now, before we go, let me just say thanks. Thanks to Yoni Wolf for the theme music and his band Y. Thanks to Nate Utesh and his band Metavari for all the other sweet tunes. Thanks to Alex Sugg for uh, editing this podcast so beautifully. And thanks to all of you guys for listening. Until we speak again, stay pepped up.